Welcome back to another episode of Boss Ladies, a podcast about women in business. My name is Julieta, and I will be talking with women who started their own businesses here in Zurich. I wanted to bring the stories to the forefront and shed light on what happens behind the scenes of starting a business. It's time for honest conversations about what it means to be a woman in the 21st century trying to create something on our own. And before we get started, you can find Boss Ladies on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and subscribe on either or both platforms. That way, all the new episodes will automatically download. You don't have to lift a finger. You don't have to waste your time. And you can listen online, offline, everywhere you are. And if you have time, please make the time. Leave a review, rate the podcast. It helps the podcast to spread and gain awareness and... It helps me in hearing from you, and I like hearing from you, so make that happen. Thank you. Today, my guest is Emma Hutchings, the owner of Circle Soaps. Today, we talk about the risk of quitting your job without a backup plan, how that can lead to starting your own company, how creating products without chemicals can still clean your pans, veganism, which we've previously touched on in an episode, but we're going into a little more detail today, and the meaning of zero waste and how we measure success. And without further ado, here's my conversation with Emma. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I want to talk to you about Circle Soaps. Okay. So how did you come up with this brand? The brand itself, in terms of the whole, the, you know, mean like the name and the, that kind yeah. of thing, it was just bit by bit, really. Mm -hmm. um, the name, we started thinking about. I say we, me and my boyfriend. Mm -hmm. although, the, although the company is me, he's a big part of it. So mm -hmm. Ideas, I bounce off him all the time. So the name, just when we're out hiking, just thinking of names. When I'd thought about setting up the company, just. Names that would um, sound good, names that would mean something. And yeah, we just talked as we were hiking, really, and various things came up that I liked, he didn't like, vice versa. And then Circle Soaps, I wasn't too sure to start with because I thought if you, if you start with soaps, then I'm limited to soaps. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't then go into um, deodorants and other kind of zero waste products. Mm -hmm. But then, in the end, I thought, well, actually, it's the, the focus is going to be soaps anyway. So, mm -hmm. so that's how we started. In the circle, um, rather than the, the shape of the soaps, comes from more the, the life cycle. Okay. So all the ingredients come from plants or minerals from the ground, and then I make them into the soaps. And then when you use the soap, those ingredients go back into the ground, so it's a whole life cycle. So that's where the name circle comes from. Okay. You said your company is zero waste. Do you want to talk a little bit about zero waste and why that was very important to you? Yeah, so I say zero waste and that's kind of the the name that the movement's been given, mm -hmm. but zero is never really, it, it's a goal, yeah. Zero is impossible. So it's something that we focus on and try to get to, but mm -hmm. realistically you're never going to get to. But it's something as a household we started quite a few years ago now, so it was before the company. Okay. Um, so as a household, we try to not buy anything in plastic mm -hmm. when possible. Mm -hmm. Although sometimes, it's, or often it's not possible, like I had to buy the printer 
for yeah. the company and you can't buy a metal <laughs> or wood printer. Um, Would be so, nice. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, as a householder, it's something we've been doing. And mm-hmm. so yeah, it just, it was, it was naturally part of the, the company when we started the company. Okay. Yeah. So all the ingredients I sourced, I tried to buy in as big amounts as possible mm-hmm. and in metal or glass where possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is not always the cheap, definitely not the cheapest option no. and not the easiest option. No. But it's really important to me, so I'm, I'm happy to spend extra time and effort to, to find those ingredients. Where do you source your products from? Or your ingredients from, I should say. So the ingredients to make the soap, um, all over. So a bulk of them I buy from um, companies that su- that supply supermarkets. Okay. So things like the olive oil and sunflower oil. Mm-hmm. So those I can buy in in big amounts, mm-hmm. but they're not necessarily also a, a zero waste or eco friendly focused company. They just have organic products. Mm-hmm. Um, the other companies, some of them from England, some from France. I tried to buy through Switzerland where possible, mm-hmm. but there's so many things you just can't get in Switzerland. <laughs> or it's just a lot cheaper to yeah. buy elsewhere and then it also pay the import fees. So yeah, various, various different suppliers. And you said you're focusing on soaps. You've recently also added shampoo. Yes. Um, what made you decide to go into more products instead of just sticking with soap? Well, in a way, it is a soap. So it's a hair True. soap. <laughs> so it's still, it's still a soap, it's just okay. a different type of soap. Mm-hmm. And the process of making it is the same. Mm-hmm. It's just different oils. Okay. Um, so it is just a, another soap. But also, I've, I've got so many, thing, so many other things I want to make and so many ideas. In a way, I have to rein that back and just focus a little bit on the products that I do have but I still always want to make new things and mm-hmm. try new things and um, there's also the dish soap mm-hmm. so there are the, yeah, there's the three different ranges if you like and there will at some point be a, a dog soap <gasps> coming cool um, but yeah you're limited on how many different things yeah. you can use the soap for <laughs> um, and then I guess also to keep things interesting, like now I also have to start thinking about Christmas already. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll probably launch some, I say Christmas or winter type themed soaps, just to keep it a bit interesting. Mm-hmm. But otherwise there's, there's already seven of the face and body soaps, so there's quite a few mm-hmm. for people to try and switch to keep it interesting. Do you have a favourite? Yeah, I do, but I think it changes. Okay. So I like, for this time of year, I like the sunny side Mm -hmm. because it's just sunny and summery. And I like the dark side because it has peppermint in it, so it feels really nice and cool on a hot day. Um, I also like the florist because I just like the smell of Mm. it. So yeah, they're probably my three favorites. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How does someone get into soap making? (laughs) That's a good question. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Um, I tried because through my zero waste journey, I started, and I've always liked making things. Mm -hmm. And when I started my zero waste journey and reduced plastic, 
it's just a natural thing to make your own because everything else comes in plastic. Mm-hmm. So I tried making, well, I do make deodorant, toothpaste, mouthwash and some other things like in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. But soap isn't something you can, like, well, you need more, you need lots of different ingredients. Mm-hmm. It's not something you have just around the house you mm-hmm. can just put together. Mm-hmm. And it's a bit scientific, so I wanted to learn how to do it properly. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I mean, I guess when I quit my job about a year ago, I really wanted to learn some new things. Mm-hmm. And I did lots of different courses. I did some gardening courses and... Soap making is one thing I wanted to learn, so mm-hmm. I did a course on that as well, mm-hmm. and then I just really liked it and thought, yeah, I could make something from this. Mm-hmm. You said you quit your job. What yeah. in what industry did you work in before? Finance. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's quite different. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So, what made you decide to quit your job? I just didn't enjoy my job anymore. Mm -hmm. Uh, I guess since I changed my lifestyle and became a bit more Mm eco-friendly and I was more conscious of things I was buying, things I was doing, Mm -hmm. and I just felt every day that I was, it just wasn't rewarding enough. Mm -hmm. I wasn't learning new things and I just felt that I was, I was helping people that already had lots of money make more money and I wasn't really contributing and I could see all these other people and other companies out there doing good things for the planet and for animals and everything and I thought what you know what I'm doing is just not really worth it Mm -hmm. so I but I couldn't find at that point what I wanted to do but I knew I didn't want to do that anymore so Mm -hmm. I just decided to quit that and take some time out and yeah just have some time off and learn some new things and then I find my way. (laughs) (laughs) Just quitting your job without having a backup plan is often considered a big risk. Mm. How did you manage the situation? Did you feel anxious? Did you feel like, oh, I really need to find something new really fast or... No, for me, I've done it before. Okay. (laughs) A few times. (laughs) Interesting. Okay. (laughs) So, no, and I have savings, so I knew... Mm -hmm thought well I've been working hard Mm -hmm. all these hours all these years since I've been to Switzerland and before and and some money to save and thought well if I end up spending it then I've I've earned it so why not Mm -hmm. so I wasn't nervous I think the people around me were Mm -hmm. more okay (laughs) because it's not in society that the thing to do right you quit your job when you already have another job and yeah friends and family around me did well, the ones that, that my really close family knew, they know me, so they they, they thought I was doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Other people were not so sure. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> You're laughing. Are these other people very integral parts of your life? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so my boyfriend was not so sure. He's okay. uh, yeah, a lot more sensible than me. So <laughs> he thought, yes, I should find another job first or at least be looking mm-hmm. for another job and, and I did but there there just wasn't jobs I wasn't in the right state of mind I think to yep. be open to what was next and when you're in that that circle or that the job that I was in I was then looking at jobs linked or the same thing my my mind wasn't open enough to think mm-hmm. 
somewhere like folks. <laughs> right. So. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, I did the same thing. I quit my job as well without having a backup plan. And I think if you just really don't feel comfortable or you just don't like your job anymore mm -hmm. and all you do is complain or it's just mm -hmm. a negative energy, mm -hmm. then there's no point in staying in that situation yeah. if it doesn't do you any good because no. it won't do your surroundings any good no. either. No. How does someone get into finance? Oh. Is it just... It wasn't intentional. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so when I when I moved here, I'd um, I'd been traveling. Mm -hmm. I'd also quit a previous job in England. Okay. And went traveling, mm -hmm. and went back to England, and was then trying to figure out what to do next. Mm -hmm. And I just by chance met a friend of a friend who was working out here, and said, "Have you thought about working abroad? Because I could do with somebody to." organize my startup office mm -hmm. and yeah a few months later I moved to Switzerland okay. and started working for him and just so happened that it was finance mm -hmm. I just thought it was a way to see a new country mm -hmm. yeah here I am seven years later <laughs> <laughs> that's a long time yeah how do you feel about living here now compared to when you moved here the, well the main difference is because I'm here rather than Zurich I think so mm -hmm. Living out here is quite different to living in Zurich. Mm -hmm. In Zurich, there's a lot more, a lot more expats. Um, so yeah, here when I hear somebody speak English, I'm. Ooh. <laughs> Whereas in Zurich, everyone's speaking English all the time. Right. So that's quite different. But otherwise, yeah, I still love the, I still love the country and the mountains and the outdoors. Yeah, I can't see myself going back to England. Really? No. <laughs> Where in England did you grow up and live? In the southwest. Okay. So quite rural, a bit like here, but yeah, very flat. Okay. And, and the reason you don't want to go back is? I like, I like being in Switzerland, but I also like being in Europe. Okay. I like being in the middle of somewhere, so mm -hmm. I like just being able to get on a train and go to France or Austria or yep. Italy. In England, you're, you're on an island and you have to take a boat or a plane to get anywhere. Yeah. And there's so many people. Every time I go back, there's traffic and people. It's, even in the countryside, it's so busy now. Interesting, okay. Yeah. Here, like, it's, it's quiet and here anyway. There's less people. <laughs> when, so you quit your job about a year ago and then you started the soap making course and learning how to do that when did you decide to officially launch a business yeah i think it was a gradual thing mm -hmm. when i did the soap course i think that was in october mm -hmm. so it wasn't so long ago mm -mm. and i thought then yeah this is something i i could do mm -hmm. and then i i already started ordering ingredients to to start testing and start making and then, actually, it was already in in November when I registered the company. Wow! So yeah, really committed. I guess I quite quickly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So then it was registered, and then, yeah, then the date I had in mind was February March to launch, and things always take a bit longer. But mm -hmm. then first of March launched. Mm -hmm. So I spent the whole winter 
Yeah, creating the website, creating the brand, testing the soaps, mm-hmm. finalising the, the soaps and, yeah, preparing. Mm-hmm. Who did you let in on the testing process? Um, so mainly my boyfriend because he's here. So. <laughs> it's easiest. Yeah. He's quite critical, so it's okay. good. He wouldn't just say, oh, good. Like my, if I get my mum to test it, she'd think everything was brilliant. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so he was quite good. The one, actually, there was one, because the, the recipe of the soaps is, the base recipe is the same. Mm-hmm. And then all the, the extras are different. Mm-hmm. So I finalised what I thought the base recipe, but he wasn't happy with it. Okay. Well, he was, but he thought it could be a bit creamier, could be a bit bubblier, so, okay. <laughs> I changed it a bit. No, it, it was right, because it's now better. Okay. So, he was the good guinea pig. And then, yeah, just all my friend, local friends and family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's been the biggest challenge this far? Hmm. I guess the initial... Finding the ingredients was really hard. Okay. I spent days... I mean, because you can just walk down to Migro and just and buy a, a bottle of olive oil. Right. Or you can you can source from so many companies, big containers, mm-hmm. but plastic containers. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to find companies that, that supply and also package in um, yeah, metal or glass or trying to avoid plastic. That was really, that's really the hardest, I think, and the most time-consuming mm-hmm. part. And that's the part people don't see because that's the right. behind-the-scenes. Right. So although I offer a zero-waste product because mm-hmm. the packaging I use is all recycled or compostable, there's no plastic. And a lot of soap companies do that unknowingly, but it's all the, yeah, the behind-the-scenes or the, the ingredients that come in. That's the, the hard part. Do you show any of the process or the behind the scenes on your website or on social media? Yeah, I guess I could probably show it a bit more. So on, on Instagram, I've got, I show the packaging and I show the mm-hmm. the containers and the, some of the ingredients. But that was something I did a bit more, I guess, at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And now I have new followers. I think people don't always go back, back. to the beginning. So that's probably something I can start reminding people of again and there is a section on the website and uh, I think under the ingredients and all the the questions but yeah maybe not everybody gets that far on the website to read all those questions what is something you'd like for people to know about soap making I don't know (laughs) (laughs) or for people to see something that you'd like for them to understand about what you're doing i guess yeah i mean the the soaps is the main part of the company mm-hmm. but it's not just a soap company it's mm-hmm. uh, yeah it's the i guess it's the ethics and the sustainability behind it and that kind of message that i also want to to get across to people but also to help people so i want to make it easy for people to Instead of going to Migra and buying a shampoo in a plastic bottle mm-hmm. to buy a, a soap or a shampoo without that packaging mm-hmm. and be able to buy something that's that's local and plant-based and not going to cost you the earth. Because 
because that was the problem that I found when I when I became vegan and then I was also trying to cut back plastic and I was looking for something mm-hmm. and I couldn't really find it I, I found there was one one soap I was buying in the end which came from America mm-hmm. which I didn't really like because I thought there must be something in Europe mm-hmm. But the others were either not organic or a lot had palm oil in mm. or they're wrapped in plastic or they cost 20 francs and I didn't yeah. want to spend 20 francs for a bar of soap. Right. So. Um, you mentioned palm oil. Mm. Can you tell me why it's so bad? Yeah, I, I don't want to use it because I don't know where... I. I wish I was a company where I could buy the ingredients direct from the farmer, mm-hmm. but I'm just not big enough yet. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there are, and there are supposedly some sustainable companies where you can get the palm oil from, but I wouldn't know this, and I don't want to buy, I don't want to use the ingredients from a company that are supporting deforestation, and it's just destroying all the... All the all the far, natural forests, mm-hmm. and then all the animals don't have their habitat. And yeah, it is a it is a good oil to use, but there are also lots of other good oils to mm-hmm. use. Don't need to use it, so I don't want to support that. Right. What is a good um, dupe for it? There are there's just there's so many so many different oils you can use. So the bulk oil I use is olive oil because mm-hmm. it's. Yeah, it's quite local and it's very good for soap. And then I also use sunflower oil, mm-hmm. which is also quite local. The other one I use is it's coconut oil, mm-hmm. which is not local. <laughs> but it just adds something yeah. extra. Yeah. Um, and nothing else gives you quite so many bubbles as the coconut oil. So. Interesting. Mm. So that one gives you the that's most? The, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the bubbles. So the olive oil makes the, the bar really hard. Okay. So if you buy something like a Savon de Marseille or an Aleppo soap, mm-hmm. there's lots out there in natural shops. Mm-hmm. They, they do work. And you'll, you'll notice they're really hard, mm-hmm. bar of soap. But they're just not quite as cleansing as I like. So that's why I use the coconut oil. Mm-hmm. And that's why I use it in the dish soap. Mm-hmm. So it just, just cleans. Mm-hmm. So the dish soap, if you use it on your body, it would, it, your skin would feel dry afterwards. Okay. Because it just cleans everything. So right. So that's the cleaning power from the coconut. <laughs> Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, because when we think of cleaning products, they usually all have chemicals in them. Mm. And we think that with the chemicals, something gets really clean. Mm. That's a myth, I'm assuming, y- because yeah. you're smiling. Yeah. <laughs> My boyfriend is the same. He's uh, he takes quite a bit of time to convert into new ideas and new ways mm-hmm. of thinking, and e- even now he was after using all the soaps. It, he still wasn't sure when I made the dish soap, and it was sat there for by the sink, and I was using it for about a month before he even started to use it. <laughs> and then he started to use it. Hey, it works quite well. This soap, doesn't it? I said, yeah. Said I, I did. I did think that you needed to have chemicals to clean things. Yeah. yeah. And you don't. And you don't. It's just just what these company companies want you to think because they want you to buy their products. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You mentioned you're vegan. Mm-hmm. What is one of the biggest myths of veganism? Good question. 
Do you know, I don't even think about it now because it's been so many years since I changed. It's just because it's just normal now. Mm-hmm. I forget. Um, I guess people think it's going to be hard. Um, and I was the biggest meat eater. I ate lots of meat and cheese before. Okay. And so if I can do it, anybody can do it. <laughs> So yeah, I guess that people think it's going to be hard, and people think it's going to be more expensive. Mm-hmm. Is it? No, it's a lot cheaper. Mm. I guess people think you know, you have to buy all these exotic because uh, they see on Instagram the smoothie bowls and oh, you boy. have to buy <laughs> chia seeds and all these kind of things from um, superfood powders. Yeah. and you have to take supplements every day, and you don't just fruit yeah. and vegetables are mm-hmm. cheap. Yeah, yeah, and the organic ones. I mean, well, not cheap, but less expensive than meat. meat how how did you make the switch saying that you were a really big meat fan and mm. dairy fan and how did you transition to it's a funny story <laughs> okay <laughs> tell me <laughs> yeah so yeah i always ate meat because i'd like i guess like a lot of people where you grow up and your your parents give it to you and say you need the protein and mm-hmm. this is what you need to be healthy and it's not until we start to question that and i think as adults we don't do that enough mm-hmm. when we're younger we, we question things like why is this why is that mm-hmm. but when you get older you just you kind of follow and do things because that's what society tells you is right but anyway well i'll get to the story is um yeah i i injured a finger mm-hmm. so one of my hobbies is climbing mm-hmm. and you need your fingers to climb yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah i i injured it and i didn't want to stop climbing because normally you just have to stop using it for it to heal mm-hmm. because there's not muscles in your fingers and yeah it takes some time but i didn't want to stop so i was just looking into foods to heal because a friend mentioned to me our oh, different foods can help with healing faster mm-hmm. and I just got on to google and started mm, googling google. <laughs> and one thing led to another and then I started reading about plant-based diet mm-hmm. and all these other things and I thought oh but um yeah like most people don't I need meat protein and yeah I, and then I just researched and and thought okay I'll I'm just going to try it for a couple of days just to see how it is. And and then I tried it for a few days and really liked it. And then I thought I'll, I'll continue over the weekend and see how that is. And I, I, just, I just carried on. I just really liked it. I, I enjoyed the foods. I enjoyed eating new foods and um, changing my cooking. And then I just, I just felt healthier. And yeah, just never, never want to change. So I think it, what helped for me is I never thought, okay, I'm going to become vegan. Mm-hmm. I just did it by mistake, step right. by step. <laughs> so not an active decision. No. Okay. Um, one thing that I hear often is that if you eat in a restaurant and you order vegan dishes they just don't taste that great Mm. and that's what many people turns off off of trying vegan food because it's just 
not tasty. Yeah. Yeah, if you have a bowl of lettuce and tomato and that's it, it's not... <laughs> but you laugh, but that's what sometimes you get if you order, a, you know, if you go to a... Really? A, yeah, yeah. My mum once, she went um, on, it wasn't in Switzerland, I can't remember, she was, she was on holiday, and yeah, it, she went to a, a normal restaurant mm-hmm. and and asked for something that was vegan, mm-hmm. and that's what she got, lettuce and tomato, and that was it. That's <laughs> miserable. <laughs> so yeah, in that case, you can understand why yeah. people think it's yeah not very exciting. Do you eat in... You put normal in quotation marks, so normal restaurants, or do you try to find restaurants that serve vegan dishes? I, I don't go to restaurants that often because mm-hmm. I just I like to cook, so okay. I like to eat quite a lot at mm-hmm. home. Here, there's not so many places in this area either, but if I go to Zurich, then mm-hmm. I'll often just for a change. But then I would I would always choose to go to a vegan restaurant. Okay. One because the food is better, but two then I'm supporting a restaurant that's doing good yeah. things as well. Mm-hmm. But if friends are going to uh, a restaurant that has meat and dairy, and I want to see them, then I'll go to see them, and I'll either not eat anything if they don't have anything, mm-hmm. or I'll just eat what they have. Salad but, with yeah. tomatoes. Yeah. <laughs> How is it when traveling? Do you find it difficult? I think it depends on where you go. Mm-hmm. But often when we go away, um, my boyfriend has a van. So often we're... we Cooking? We're, yeah, we're cooking as we go. So we take some basics with us and mm-hmm. other things we, we buy wherever we are. So in that respect, it's not so, not so difficult. Mm-hmm. No. Is he vegan as well? Yeah. Do you think you could live with someone who was not vegan? No, I at the beginning, yeah, it yeah, it would be really hard. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine if you otherwise you have to cook two meals and I don't know, you, you can I don't know. That's difficult. But also just like the ethics behind it. Yeah. If you're in a close relationship <clears throat> with somebody and your main ethics are completely different yeah it would cause yeah some problems I think so I'm lucky (laughs) (laughs) yeah is there there's so many documentaries on all of um the vegan movement Mm. um do you have one that you can recommend yeah I guess Cowspiracy for Mm -hmm. me that was the that's a good one yeah but I've watched I've watched lots of them okay that was the main one for me that I watched at the beginning and that was actually the one where um after about a month i'd been vegan and i showed it to my boyfriend and after he watched it he said that's it we we have to become vegan <laughs> and and i said i already have for a month and, and he didn't even notice that he hadn't okay. been eating meat or dairy for a month everything that i'd been cooking he hadn't even noticed <laughs> i think that's the best way to to do it yeah just do it yeah what do you wish you had known about running a company when you started out maybe not about running a company necessarily but there was so many there's so many new things I've had to learn Mm -hmm. but that that has also been part of the 
process and what's been enjoyable because I had to learn so many new things. Mm-hmm. But it would have been a lot easier if I already knew how to create a website. Ah, okay. Or create a logo mm-hmm. or use all these different software systems. Mm-hmm. Like the first part time I tried to draw the the logo, mm-hmm. it took me like four hours just to draw one line, a straight line, because I had no idea how to use these mm-hmm. systems. So it would have been easier if I knew how to do those things. But then maybe I wouldn't wouldn't be as rewarding afterwards. Mm-hmm. Was it more creative tasks in terms of, like you said, website design, logo mm-hmm. design? Purely that or also in terms of regular business things like administration, legal, mm-hmm. contracts? Yeah, there's all those things as well and mm-hmm. all those things I haven't really got on top of yet. Mm-hmm. So still all the accounting side of things, I... I think I'm logging everything as I should, but I know I'm going to get to the end of the year when my tax advisor needs everything in and I have to find everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's all those things. If you're running a company as one person, you you have 10 different jobs. You're the accountant and the, and the marketing person and the salesperson. Mm-hmm. So. But that's quite, it's also quite enjoyable. You mm-hmm. Yeah, you're in control of everything. Yeah. You decide how mm. your company runs. Mm. But you have to also do the bits that you don't like so oh, much yeah. or you're not so good at. Yeah. yeah. Um, is there something that you realize that you're just really not good at, yet you have to do it anyway? Mm. Yeah, I'm not so good at the sales part of things. Okay. Um, but I have a lot of sales experience. Interesting. Yeah, so I know I know the theory behind it. I'm just uh-huh. not naturally. So when I'm when I have to go out to introduce the product, and especially if it's German speaking, and mm. I need to speak in German as well. Yeah, I think that um, that I have to work a bit harder. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that is? That you are having a hard time selling your product. I guess it's just confidence in myself. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, a lot of the time is, especially when it's the, the German speaking, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm concentrating more on the words that I have to say and getting the grammar right, whereas really the people don't really mind. As long as, as, long as they, As long as they understand yeah. and if you try, I think they, they appreciate mm-hmm. it. So I'm trying not to get so worried about it. Mm. <laughs> What is something that you would still like to learn? German. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, okay. It's um, it's a tough language. Yeah, it's hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I've kind of come to terms with it. It's just, it's not some, well, languages in general is not my forte. It's not something I'm going to ever find easy. I'm probably never going to speak any language fluently. But I can get by, and every day I learn a new word, so it'll be a very long, slow process. Maybe by the time I'm 100, I'll get there. <laughs> we'll come back to you <laughs> then and see yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how far the progress is. Um, what would you tell someone who wanted to start their own company? What advice would you give them? I guess I would say 
Yeah, as long as they know what they're getting into. So mm-hmm. not expecting... I think because, especially with soap making, a lot of people do it as a, a hobby. Mm-hmm. And especially, I guess, creative people, they have something as a hobby and then decide to make it as a business. And then, But it's not a case of just then making soap. I mean, the making of the soap is such a small part of the mm-hmm. business so I guess to make people aware that yeah that's a very small part of it but you're gonna need to do all these other things at the same time you said w- creators often start with something as a hobby yeah. and turn it into a business how do you manage to convince people that what you have is a company and not a hobby because in my experience, mm. I've often gotten this stereotype like, oh, right, this is just a hobby for you. And it's not. Mm. But just because you don't see the work behind something or because something takes longer doesn't mean it's a hobby. So yeah. how do you step away from that stereotype? I guess, um, I guess because I did it at the beginning as a business, so and in terms of social media, which is now where you know people get to know you or mm-hmm. get to know a brand or a company through social media. So it's not like for years I was posting recipes of soap making. Mm-hmm. And I guess because I launched quite quickly and everything was with the website and you can see there's things for sale. So if you're selling something, you're making money from it. Mm-hmm. I guess people could see. Do you think it's easier to launch right away or to wait uh, X amount of time before saying, okay, I want to do this? I think it's good to to do it as soon as, well, I say as soon as you're ready, but mm-hmm. you're never going to be completely ready. Mm-hmm. There's always other things you can do and there'll always be things that you haven't thought of. Mm-hmm. But I think it's, you can always say like, I do it next week or next month or I need, mm-hmm. you always need more time mm-hmm. so I think do it as soon as you can and then you change things afterwards because there will always be th- things come up that you hadn't thought of or things that you could improve so yeah why wait what would you improve looking back now oh, looking back now I was going to say I change things all the time <laughs> every day I think I'm um, really? Every day? Mm, okay. Yeah, there's everyday things on the the website. I think I could do that or change this or... Um, but looking, looking back, I don't know because until you get to this point, you don't know what you would change. So like when I, when I launched, I didn't know how many soaps I'd need in stock. I didn't know what people were going to want to, mm-hmm. to buy. I didn't mm-hmm. know which ones were going to be popular. Mm-hmm. And nobody can tell you that really no. before you start. So you just have to start and figure it out as you go along. Were you surprised by what was selling better and what wasn't selling as well as you thought? Yeah, because I thought by now, because I launched with seven soaps. Mm-hmm. And there was a couple I, well, there's one I was really not sure about. Okay. That I thought, nobody's going to like this one. (laughs) I already had new soaps in line to switch because I thought, yeah, there'll be a couple that are not so popular. And then I swapped them out 
and replace them. Mm -hmm. But they've all been really similar. Okay. Different for different shops. Mm -hmm. But I think because there's such a range of different types, what some people like some and really don't like others, but then there's vice versa. So mm -hmm. You're selling your products online as yeah. well as in store. Yeah. What made you decide to sell online? I think because, well, because I had this idea in my mind of working from home and going to the post office every day, just packing the orders, sending them out. Yep. The orders would come in and I would just send them out <laughs> and life would be easy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's not. Not quite like yeah. that. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I expected the... Yeah, I thought the bulk of the business would be through the website mm -hmm. and through the my online shop. Um, but that's not the case. Whereas the selling to other shops has been a lot more productive than I expected. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to expect to have quite so many shops already ordering from me. Mm -hmm. So that's that's good because I can then they they get then I sell a lot cheaper to them because they're buying in bigger numbers. But then they can sell them to their customers, yeah. and I also even have there's four soon to be four other online shops oh selling my graves and i think because what i realized is I, I don't know much about like the seo mm -hmm. for google mm -hmm. and a lot of people haven't found my website because yeah i don't know how to get people to to find it mm -hmm. whereas these uh, there's other shops that maybe are, are better at that than me yeah so I can sell them to them and then they can sell them. And also they have a lot more other products. Yeah. So people can buy some things and then buy soap at the same time. Mm -hmm. When you go and I'll call it pitch, pitch to stores mm -hmm. to buy your soaps and have them in their stores, how do you go about that? So usually, I, if it's um, if it's a shop I don't if I don't know them, mm -hmm. then I usually write them an email first, because if I just walk into a shop, I don't know if that person is just the person working in the shop or if they own the shop. So you don't know who you're talking to, mm -hmm. and because my German is is so bad, if I just go in and say, hi, here's my soaps, do you want some? It's, <laughs> it's never going to work. So, yeah, I write an email first, and then I can mm -hmm. also mm -hmm. check that it does make sense. And then I can give them a bit of information mm -hmm. about me, about the company, about the soaps, add some pictures, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then they can read a bit first. So yeah. they can say, okay, if this is something that they would be interested in or not. And some are definite, no, they've already got soaps in stock mm -hmm. or they don't want to have soaps or... And then others say, yeah, this could be something that they're interested in. Then come and bring the soaps. And some people would just really want to meet you as a person. Mm -hmm. And then I will go in and yeah, meet them and show them the soaps. They might want to yeah, smell them and touch them and use them. And then... Uh, yeah, we just have a little chat and then either they 
Say yes or no. Say yes or no, or maybe, or... <laughs> mm-hmm. When coming up with prices, did you do a lot of research on what competitors were pricing their products, or did you just have a gut feeling? Both. I had, I had a price in mind of what I was happy to pay, mm-hmm. so I didn't want to sell them for for more than what yeah. I would pay them myself because if I'm not going to buy my product nobody else is yeah so I had a mind of what yeah what I would want to sell them for and then almost had to work backwards mm-hmm. um, but I had no idea like how much margin you expect especially mm-hmm. for just um, making a product and then selling it is one thing but then if you're then selling to a shop that was my next question yeah that was that was the hardest part because how do you how do you know how much discount to give to them right and you want you want to sell your products but at the same point you don't want to give them away you still have to make some money right so I I did a mixture of asking um there was one lady I know in one shop so to kind of get some feedback from her and what mm-hmm. she would expect mm-hmm. um but then also looked at some of the products I was buying as a reseller so some of the soap accessories and knowing what discount I got as a buyer mm-hmm. and kind of almost guessed because they're, they're all so different. Mm-hmm. And so that was really hard. Mm-hmm. So I put together a, a pricing plan at the beginning, which I changed a lot. So the, the discount I offered was realistic, mm-hmm. but the numbers I was expecting was not realistic. Okay. So I had um, a discount level for shops that buy from 20 pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, so the minimum is 20. I wanted to keep it fairly low mm-hmm. so that then they could just order a small amount, try them and see how they, they sell for mm-hmm. them. Because m- me also as a reseller, I wanted to do the same. Just buy a small amount first mm-hmm. and then try it. And then I had the next bracket is 100 pieces. Okay. Because I thought, uh, yeah, shops have big warehouses <laughs> or they have plenty of space. To, you know, 100 soaps is not so much. But the feedback I got was, yeah, yeah, they're not going to buy uh, 100 was a bit too too much. Mm-hmm. So then I, I added, well, the jump was too much from 20 to 100. Yeah. So I added different levels. Okay. Which I quite liked because then, yeah, the more they buy, there's an incentive. The more they buy, the, right. the more discount they get. Mm-hmm. Would you say you're successful? <laughs> I guess it depends on what you... How do you measure how success? How do you define successful? How do you measure success? Yeah. For, me, for me, it's not about the money. Mm-hmm. I mean, other people would say uh, if, their, if their company was making so much money, then mm-hmm. they're successful. Mm-hmm. But for me, if I can pay the rent, I'm successful. Okay. So, yeah, for me, it's more about... Having a job that I enjoy mm-hmm. and is rewarding and yeah, can pay the rent, then, then I would see myself as successful. Okay. Money, it's been um, a frequent topic, not just on the podcast, but in every single conversation I've had in the last year. Um, why do you think it's such an integral part of people's lives and that they focus so much of their attention on how much do I earn and how much do I need to earn 
just this whole society thing of how it's been, you know, it's what you watch on TV, all these programs and the government, they, they say, yeah, this is what you, this, this is what people are told makes you successful and this mm -hmm. is what you need and this is what's going to make you happy. If you've mm -hmm. got this much money, you can buy this and do that. I want to live with, with as less money as, as possible. Okay. Yeah, I don't want to, to be, to have so much money. Mm -hmm. I want, I want to be able to live with less. Okay. So that I need less. Yeah. Interesting. Mm. Completely different approach than <laughs> someone that's typically working in finance, for yeah. example. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was not the right job for me. <laughs> what do you think your unique skill is that has helped you come to this point and have a business? Okay. I guess because I guess because I wasn't scared to quit my mm. job. I wasn't scared to um, spend my savings or mm -hmm. not have a safety net or a guaranteed earnings. It doesn't really mm -hmm. that didn't really scare me. Okay. So I guess because I just thought, well, what what would have scared me and why I hadn't done something like this before was all the business ideas I had involved investing a lot of money. Okay. And if I'd had to have put in a lot of money to do something, then I maybe wouldn't have been as brave to do it. Mm -hmm. But doing something like this, I don't have to rent an office. Mm -hmm. I can do it in the kitchen, in the mm -hmm. bedroom. And other than the initial ingredients, I didn't have to spend a lot of money. Mm -hmm. So I just thought, well, I try it and, and see what happens. Mm -hmm. And I'm not so scared now Maybe I would have been years ago, but I'm not so scared now of if it doesn't work out. Okay. If it doesn't work, and then I'll have learned so many things, so it wouldn't have been a failure. How would you categorize a failure? I guess something that doesn't work as you expect. Um, but if, yeah, if I get to the point where the company is not not paying me enough money, I'd probably still do it. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd have to get another job as well. Um, or if I decide to stop it, then yeah, it wouldn't be a waste of time because I would have learned so much. But if I'd have had to invest a lot of money and if it cost me a lot of money, then... Are there any resources that have really helped you on your journey? Hmm... I have read a few books. Mm -hmm. um, I guess the initial course, not so much, no, it's not really a resource, but the the course of soap making in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And not just about making the soap, but um, the course told me about all the regulations and mm -hmm. laws and how you have to have the soaps approved. You can't just make a soap and sell it. Ah. Yeah, it's not that straightforward. <laughs> if somebody doesn't tell you this, you don't know. And yeah. You might just go out and put it on the pro mm -hmm. on the market and then somebody knocks on your door and says, do you have a safety report for that? So yeah, they have to go through, because it, the soaps come under cosmetics mm -hmm. and they have to come under yeah testing. So mm -hmm. all the recipes have to be approved by a chemist. And that's quite a long process. Okay. Yeah. How long does it take usually? Uh, the last one took two months Ooh. from the time you submit yep. the ingredients to yep. getting an answer. Mm. Yeah, so it's quite some time. 
So that's why I already have to now start thinking of Christmas because right. I have to yep. test and then submit once I'm happy with it mm-hmm. and then wait. Do you just provide them with the recipe or do you have to provide them with your product as well? No, they don't need the products. They just need to know the ingredients, ingredients. but they want to know where the ingredients come from mm-hmm. and the quantity of the yeah, so the recipe. Mm-hmm. Um, they also want to know what kind of packaging you're going to use mm-hmm. um, and the names, what it's for. So, for example, the hair, hair soaps, I had to even change because I wanted... So the description, mm-hmm. I put... Um, hair soap for oily hair or for right. hair, for dandruff. Right. And I wasn't allowed to do that. I had to change it. So that's why they just have with the main ingredients. Yeah. Um, because things like dandruff is a medical term. Okay. So I don't know how these other companies where you buy the, right. the shampoo for yeah. dandruff because they all write it, but I guess they have some other way of, I don't know. So, I wasn't allowed. Okay, interesting. So did you just leave it, leave dandruff out of mm. the name, but it still serves that purpose? Or how, yeah. do you, how are you able to communicate that it does help that specific mm. issue? Yeah, because I even then wanted to write, can I write something like for itchy scalp? Or, right. I wasn't even allowed to write that. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. So so then I just put the main ingredients, but of course pe- people don't know what the main ingredients do. Mm-hmm. So I've got a brochure for them all, mm-hmm. and also the description on the website. I okay. Can, I can say I can't say that it's for dandruff. Okay. I can say it has these ingredients, which tend to be good for or can. Yeah. I see. So yeah. Okay. Do you think it's the Swiss mentality of perfectionism that's... This is not Swiss. Oh, this is not no, Swiss. this is EU, EU laws. Okay. Maybe. So where do you have to send the recipes and the information? So I actually send it to a company in England. Okay. Because the correspondence is easier. Yeah. talk the same language. Yeah. Um, plus they approve... I can get several approved at once. Okay. Whereas... The ones I found here, it, it was a lot more expensive, mm-hmm. and yeah, it all comes under the same umbrella. It's all approved by mm-hmm. the EU EU laws, EU regulations. So, once England leaves the EU, how will that make a change or create a challenge for you? Um. In terms of the business. safety testing, or <laughs> business, no business-wise, no, no change. I I don't know because there's. I mean, in terms of the the safety reports, mm-hmm. that won't be any different. Any mm-hmm. different, because you're not importing a, right. a product. There are some accessories that I buy from the UK, but I mean, if it doesn't make it viable to do it anymore, then I just get them from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I cross that bridge when it comes to it okay. because it never seems like it's actually going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. But how would it affect you personally, being from England? Mm-hmm. We we still don't really know, but mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to change that much. 
initially when it was when it first happened I then went and got my sea permit straight away mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I've got that now for a few years so. okay yeah. so no worries I there. don't think it's good yeah okay I have one last question for you what does being a boss lady mean to you ah. <laughs> <laughs> well why don't I'm not sure I see myself as a boss <laughs> I think of a boss as being a yeah, a manager of other people and I'm the boss. I'm just the boss of me, I guess. There you go. I'm the boss of me, yeah. When I went to the the first event, mm-hmm. it was March, was mm-hmm. it? Yeah. So, yeah, I'd literally just launched the company and mm-hmm. I'd spent the last few months at home in the winter, yeah, working away by myself. And although I'm quite, I quite like my own company, I quite like doing things mm-hmm. alone. I still, I was thinking, well, it'd be nice to have a community. And I guess that's what I, I see the Boss Ladies as a, mm-hmm. a community, a group of people what, that are all doing the same kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of my friends are not doing the same kind mm-hmm. of thing. And just sometimes when you think, you know, am I doing the right thing? Is this the right decision? Or is, is this what I'm doing good? Is this not good? And you have no way of measuring that. So just being able to talk to other people when you want or at an event every couple of months, just that idea of yeah, having a group of people all doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for coming. Thank you for listening and thank you again, Emma, for taking the time. During our conversation, I had one question, well, actually just one word repeating itself in my mind. Success. We are so focused on being successful, on creating things that will be successful, but what does success really mean? It's different for every one of us, and there's no standard model for, you can't see me right now, but I'm doing air quotation marks, measuring success. After our conversation, Emma asked me, when is someone successful? And I couldn't give her a straight up answer. Sure, if we're talking business 101, breaking even relatively quickly, starting to make profit, that's considered successful. But what about website clicks? How many products you sell? How many clients you have to have? Success, in my opinion, is intangible and each person defines it differently. So I guess we'll have to revisit this topic later on with some other voices. As always, if you have any questions or comments, please don't hesitate to write to us. You'll find all the profiles and website links in the show notes. And don't forget to leave a review. See you next time.